Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Good to see you all. Is everyone doing okay? Yeah. Yeah? Good, good. Well, we're in this series uh, looking at some letters in the New Testament by John. Uh, Convenient called 1, 2, and 3 John. So there you go. Knew what he was doing. So, yeah, we're going to be looking at them. Last week, uh, Pastor Russ kicked us off looking at 1 John. He had the longest. Uh, today, you've got a really short letter. Uh, so, we can get into that in a moment. So, I'm looking at 2 John. If you do have a Bible with you, either on your phone, I felt, I felt stupidly chastised recently about having a Bible on my phone. And not just from what Pastor Russ said last week, but at work, Bible College. Uh, we were having our chapel service and all the students were there with a paper Bible and no pad and pen and all the lecturers had their phones out. So it's not, it wasn't a good look and we got, <laughs> uh, we got called out on it. So I bought my paper Bible. If you do have it, whichever, however you look though, whatever form you use, if you want to turn to 2 John, you've got a few moments just to, to get there. We're going to pray and then we're going to look into this letter this morning. So let's just take a moment and pray. Father God, we thank you because the word, the written word to us is powerful. It reveals who you are. It reveals Jesus to us. It brings truth and life. And we pray this morning as we take some time to unpack these verses and to see what you have to say. We pray, Father God, that you will work in our lives, that there will be growth, there will be breakthrough. There'll be challenge, there'll be encouragement, but whatever we need this morning from your word to help us understand more of you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, we're going to look into it. Like I say, it is just a very short letter, 13 verses. But, I mean, we have TED Talks, don't we, which are like 20 minutes. This is 13 verses, and, uh, but it packs a punch. Uh, and that's a challenging thing with this message because when you read what the letter has to say, you feel like, oh wow, this is, this is challenging stuff. And I'm conscious as I bring the word or bring this message this morning that, you know, for us hearing it, it can feel like, wow, this is, this is strong stuff, challenging stuff. Uh, and as I've been preparing, you feel that we've got to take our faith seriously. I mean, we always do, but you kind of hear these words and you realize that you've got to keep going in the, uh, on the course. So we're going to read the letter. We can read the whole thing because it's, like I say, it's just 13 verses and then, and then we'll look at it. So 2 John, uh, verse 1. The elder, that's John. Uh, ancient letters, by the way, worked a little bit differently. So you get kind of the, 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 the person who's writing it at the beginning rather than, you know, we would normally sign a letter, you know. At the end, yeah? Well, it's at the start. And all the, the sort of greetings come early on as well, which, you, which you'll see. And I was just wondering, I don't know, maybe I'm a bit old-fashioned, but I still start emails. To people I don't know, anyway, emails with dear so-and-so. Anyone else like that? Yeah? Oh, yeah, we've got a few. Like, you'd be surprised, though, because it kind of, you know, hey, hi. I'm like, you don't know me. This is a bit weird. Uh, anyway, so uh, I'm still kind of old-fashioned like that, making sure the grammar is right. And there's actually 
punctuation in there as well. But you'd be surprised at email. So this is the way the letter works. And like I say, you get the, the greeting. So it's to the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth. And not, on, uh, not I only, but also all who know the truth because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. So that kind of grace and peace you see in Paul's letters as well. This kind of uh, health wish or blessing at the start of the letter, whereas, you know, we have like yours faithfully or yours sincerely. Again, you can always tell, can't you, the level of sort of how happy someone is with a British person by how they, they sign it off. You know, yours faithfully, okay, that's good, you know them. Yours sincerely, a bit more formal. Kind regards, that's good. Regards, they're angry, yeah? You know, if, some, if it's kind regards, we're all, we're all right. But if it's just regards, like that, that's it. So if Paul was writing Galatians and he was British, he would sign Galatians with regards because he's not very happy with the Galatians. Anyway, we digress. So we've got to the chosen lady. We brought this up last week. Is this a person or is this a church? Personally, I think that this is a way of referring to the church. He's saying to the chosen lady and her children. That kind of makes sense uh, and, and fits with what's going on. So he's writing and using this sort of metaphor to describe the church, the chosen lady. We don't need to change the name of our church to that. It might be a bit, bit strange for people. But anyway, to the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth. And not only I only, but all, also all, all who know the truth because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father. And from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the, uh, the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be uh, fully rewarded. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may com be complete. The children of your chosen sister send their greetings. And there it is. A few verses. It'd be kind of handy, wouldn't it, to know what John wanted to go to them and talk about, yeah? Um, to find out, you know, well, I want to unpack some of these things more. We obviously don't have that. We've just got these verses. But there's enough to go at in them, isn't there? You know, we're talking about truth and love and deceivers going out into the world. This is what I mean. It can feel a bit heavy. This is, this is John. He really takes matters seriously when he's uh, writing to the church and he's saying to them, 
You've got to keep going. You've got to, you've got to be on guard. You've got to be watchful about who, who you are listening to and making sure that you're, you're taking in the truth, uh, making sure that you're not listening to the wrong people so that you can uh, continue in your life of faith and be fully rewarded. And to do that, we've got to walk in truth and love. And those are the two big themes that come out from this letter, which we'll come to shortly. Walk in truth and walk in love. That's it. Simple, but not always easy, yeah? Walk in truth, walk in love. And it's a challenge, isn't it? That's a, you know, it's a hard-hitting message to, fight, to feel like we've got to take something from this. And so those are, those are the themes that I want to bring out from this this morning. I'm not getting into the whole deceiver and antichrist. We won't go there too much, except to say that John makes a point of saying that people who do not acknowledge who Jesus is, they are anti-Christ. And I know there can be lots of speculation and some who have been in church for a long time may be familiar with this language. But it's just, you know, people who are against what Christ uh, is about, against faith in Christ, is anti-Christ by nature. So he's saying you've got to be watchful. So there were a few things that I want to bring out, a few little thoughts, first of all, preliminary things, before we talk about walking in truth and walking in love. Is that okay for everyone this morning? So the first thing is this, just a few little challenging ideas to help us think about this, because you can read this, and when you, when you read a letter like this, and John's talking about, you know, like I say, walking in truth, walking in love, obeying the commands, being on guard, being watchful, you can kind of get this idea that maybe what he's advocating, what he's suggesting is, let's just try and close ourselves off from the world, be kind of sectarian in our approach. Because if we, if we do that, if we insulate ourselves from the world, those things won't hurt us. They won't affect us. And you may have heard this phrase where you know, people will talk about it in church, you know, in the world, not of the world. Anyone heard that? that phrase, it's a sort of, you know, I'm in the world, not of the world, brother. Except, and, and we can kind of throw it out there, you know, we're, we're in the world, not of the world, but what, what, what does that look like? What, what does that mean? And I think sometimes we could get this idea, you know, we sort of use it as this phrase, this throwaway sort of comment, to be in the world, but not of the world. But, but what might that look like? And we can kind of create all sorts of rules about what that might, that might mean. I can tell you that if we were to go back quite a few years, uh, by the way, don't, don't switch off after I've said this, by the way. You might think, oh, they have a point. But like, I'd be out right now because I'm wearing jeans in church. That's worldly brothers and sisters. You know what I'm talking about? So, uh, and all the ladies, you'd be out because you're not wearing hats either. So, like, none of us are onto a winner. We have these, these judgments about what worldliness is. And uh, these kinds of things. By the way, you're okay. We can, we can deal with those verses later. But this is how we used to be. You know, oh, that's worldly. We've got to be careful. And I think we need to understand that as God's people... And in 1 John, actually, it comes out, greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. That sometimes when we have this in the world, not of the world sort of idea, we can become fearful or there's, we need to shut ourselves away. This is what we did for you know, a couple of years, understandably. We didn't want to get COVID. So we, we shut ourselves away, we wear the face mask and we sanitize. And actually, some Christians, that's how they, they act. Let me just close myself away sanitize myself lest something pollutes me. Hey, we have to believe 
that there is something within us that we are able to walk within the world and be an influence for Jesus. Amen? That actually we are able to go and bring light into those places. Not that it will just overwhelm us, but actually, we're, yes, there is truth in the fact that we're in the world and not of it. But we don't want to make all these rules about, like, oh, what does that look like and what does that mean? But actually, the point is that I'm trying to get across is John isn't saying, shut yourselves away. He's saying, somehow we've got to carry the life of Christ within us into our world. Yes. Amen? So in the world, not of the world, sure, don't be influenced by it. Yes, we need to be watchful. We need to make sure. But let's not make these really tight definitions of what that looks like. And actually understand that there is the life of Christ within us to make a difference to people around us. Don't insulate yourself from others. Don't try and shut yourselves away. Actually, we've got to take that truth of that message to other people. So in the world, not of the world. Another thought, just to bring out, and this is another little phrase I I keep hearing, truth and grace. We need to find the balance between truth and grace. And and John's talking about it here. Not so much grace, but he's talking about walking in truth and walking in love. And one of the things that I think is, is happening when people talk about that, and we hear it a lot, you know, we have conversations about how the church is in the world and how people view the church. And they'll say, you know, oh, just need to find the balance. But truth and grace are on opposite ends of the spectrum. And sometimes I find that Christians can use, oh, I'm being truthful as, a, as, as sort of a pass for, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, being obnoxious with my faith, you know. I don't, I'm just telling the truth. I don't care how people take it. You know, or great grace, you know, to say, oh, I'm being gracious or I'm being graceful. It's, I'm being a bit wishy-washy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just lowering the standards of what, you know, what God expects. Because God welcomes all people. And I can kind of see where people are going because there is truth of God's word or truth of the things we believe. And there, are, um, there is that sense of grace and welcome. But in John, in the Gospel of John, it tells us that Jesus came and he was full of truth and grace. They aren't opposite ends of the spectrum. There's like this blending of truth and grace. Now listen, again, I don't want to let you down, but I don't have all the answers to this. But somehow we as the church, as God's people, we need to find a way that we, we hold to our truth within that sense of being gracious towards others as well. But it's not either or. It's not one or the other. It's not, well, I'm being a bit gracious because I'm welcoming people or I'm being truthful because I'm closing myself or, or, or telling you know, people what they should or ought to do. But actually it's bringing both of those things together. And I think when we come to look at what it is to walk in truth and love, it is about somehow carrying those things of saying, these are the truths that we hold to, but also these are the ways that we bring them across. And to be like Jesus is to walk with the combination of truth and grace. Maybe things that we need to reflect on more. The other thing, just to, uh, 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 another quick preliminary thought before we get into the other thing, is this. Some of us will know that 
if, if, you, if you maybe were in church growing up or have been in church for a long time, maybe others who are newer won't be f- so familiar with this sort of thing. But we have this thing bet- about legalism. Like I say, you know, legalism was that kind of how we dressed in church and the sorts of things we should and shouldn't talk about and the things we should and shouldn't do. And, and what would happen is, you know, well, this is what it means to be holy. We're legalistic. And, you know, these are all the rules, so God doesn't want you to do this. It was basically, these are all the things God doesn't want you to do. And as a reaction to that, we can kind of go, not just to balance it, but from one extreme to the other. Because now we're so fearful of anything that's kind of smacks of legalism that we don't want to suggest there's any sort of standard that God calls us to. But I think here, there is something that we need to understand. That no, we don't want legalism. Legalism is about punishment and pressure. You know, oh, I've got to conform and I've got to do these things and people might look at me. No, we don't want that on people. And taken to an extreme, it can cause guilt and shame and all sorts of things like that. But I do believe, and this is what is brought out in the letter here, is that God calls us to a higher standard. Yeah? And no, we don't go for legalism of saying, you know, these are all the rules and if you step out of line, you're out. But we do say that God has called us to something higher and something greater. And so, yes, there is a standard that we live up to. You know, in Philippians... Paul lays it out, Philippians 2. Let this attitude be in you that is in Christ Jesus, or that was in Christ Jesus. Who? Being in very nature God. And then he describes what that nature was like. Jesus humbled himself, but he's saying, Church, I'm calling you to to be like Jesus. The thing is, legalism means we don't want to admit that we get things wrong. But we do get things wrong, don't we? But what we say is... Although I get things wrong, I'm pursuing a higher standard. I'm pressing on because I want to be more like Jesus. Because I want to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And so we've got to press on and press into these things. That no, there's, there's not the legalism, but there's the standard of saying, Jesus, I want to follow you with everything that I am. Because it is the best. Not just because Jesus comes and forgives me of my sin and that point of salvation which is true. But because Jesus wants to lead us into the fullness of life that he has for us. And that means some of those things we were doing, they've got to fall away. And other things we've got to take on. Yeah? So, in the world, not of the world. We can be in the world. Being an influence for Christ. Truth and grace. Bringing the balance of both of those things together. And then legalism and standards. Not legalism, but saying there's a higher standard. There's a higher calling. And we as God's people, we encourage each other to raise our game. To, to step up and say, we, we want to meet that standard. I'm resisting any sort of football terminology or analogy, you know. But Forest need to raise their standard to be at the Premier League. Yes. We've got to learn from Spurs. But we're not doing it. We've, not, we've got the players. We've definitely got the players. Uh, if you don't know, we, bought, we broke the record for buying them. Uh, buying the most transfers. But we're not raising our game. And God says to us, we've got to raise our game. 
got to raise it up. This isn't what I've called you to. Called you to live this life in fullness. And we're still down here messing around at times and doing things. And, and, and actually God says, I want you to raise it. Not just because now there's this sense of, oh, I'm holy, I'm righteous. But actually because it leads us into that full life. It leads us into the very best that God has. So those are a few things. But the key themes that come out in this letter are truth and uh, love, walking in truth, walking in love. And there's a quote, if we can go back to it, it's the, actually the first slide, um, and there's no way I'm going to be able to see it from there uh, at the back, so I'm going to read it from here. John is consistently, one might even say incessantly engaged in calling believers to a full-orbed confessional, that is doctrinal, behavioral, ethical, and relational that's devotional integrity before God. Wow. <laughs> I wish I'd wrote that. John is calling people to truth and love. And what does that look like? That we have this full-orbed embrace of what we believe, i.e. right teaching and right understanding, we have our behavior, our ethics, and sure, there is an outworking of the faith that we believe and relational, devotional integrity before God. That when we, when we have that relationship before him, that devotional that says, God, I want to know who you are, and we find out on our own, we find that in our small groups, we find that in our gatherings as a congregation here. That's part of ways that we're saying, God, I'm devoting myself to you. And from that, we discover truth and love. We discover what we believe and how we should live it out. And so God calls us, or John is writing to this church and saying, I want you to, to walk in the truth. I want you to walk in love. He says, you know, it's given me joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. Now, here's the thing. Truth is quite big, isn't it? And, uh, you know, what, what might be really easy, if I was to, it would be as if I was to stand up here and say, here are all the things you need to believe right now. I'm just telling you that's what you need to know. But that's not really going to help us. Because just having me tell you, or someone else tell you, like, you know, I need my pastor on speed dial. Quick, because there might be a situation. And I, I don't know what the truth is, or I don't know how to walk in love. So I've got someone, and, and, and they're there, and they're ready. I can send them a quick message. What should I do? Pastor, help me, small group leader, what should I do? And that, that can be helpful. That can be helpful because we need people around us who can, who can invest into us. What we can't do is outsource responsibility for our own growth and development. In the words of those wise sages, Oasis, please don't put your life in the hands of a rock and roll band who throw it all away. Now listen, we as leaders, pastors, ministers, whoever it is that invests into you, we're not going to throw it away. But the point is, we, won't, we might not always be there. That person might not be there. 
And to walk in truth is not just about, well, this is what someone told me, or quick, I need help, let me call them and find out. But actually, I know the truth for myself. I haven't outsourced the responsibility, but actually, I know what I need to do. Because the truth isn't just what someone else has passed on, but now I embody it. I know it for myself. And that doesn't just come through someone telling us, but by a revelation. And this is why gathering together is so important. Being in church, being in our small groups, being in other forums and contexts where we can not just have information given to us, but a revelation of who God is. So there's a truth so that when you walk out of here and wherever you find yourself tomorrow, actually you know, I've got the truth in me and I can keep walking in it. Yeah, sometimes because maybe you're new to faith. And actually, I need to find out some information. Fine. But part of the maturing that we were hearing about last week, about the growing, is actually now, I'm not just relying on someone else. I'm not just looking for someone else to do it all for me. But I'm taking responsibility for my own growth. And I'm actually saying, God, I'm going to walk in truth. Those things that I believe, like I say, I can't give you the whole list now, but we read the Bible. We hear God's word read to us. Because it brings truth. And not just information, but as I say, a revelation. A revelation that brings breakthrough. I know I can do this because God has put something into my life. And that's the journey of faith. That we, that we keep going. That we keep walking in those things that we know. And as we go along our journey, we learn new things. And suddenly God puts his finger on something in his life, in our life, you know, where he's like, actually, you've been growing, that's great. Now it's time to to move on. That thing, we need to deal with it. It's challenging, challenging, but John, it's calling people, follow Jesus, walk in truth, walk in love. Take seriously the commitment to following Christ. So, the first thing is, Walk in truth. Walk in who you know God is. The things that have been revealed to you by faith. When we sing, we confess the things that we know to be true. It's good to sing them out for that reason. Actually, I'm going through a really difficult situation. But I know the truth of God's word. Hey, listen, it doesn't make it easy, by the way. It doesn't make it straightforward. Like we can, you know, we can dispense those Bible verses. I think I've talked about this before, like, like pills. You know, you're going through a hard time? Hey, God works all things together for good. Take that two times a day, you'll be fine. It's, it doesn't work like that. But we can confess the truth of God's word, which is all things do work together. There is something for us. Whatever we might be facing, someone's hurt me. And the truth of God's word is that we should forgive. Not an easy process to walk through. I get it. But there's a truth. And so we speak out. We go to the scripture. We, we read and we understand and we know this is what God's leading me into. This is the truth. And it becomes a revelation that we start to walk in. And so it's not that those things are always easy. It's not always straightforward. And I wouldn't stand up here and, and suggest that they are. But there is a truth of God's word that we can hold to and walk in. And I wonder, with what we face, 
with what we go through, with what we might be facing right now, with where we are at in life, are we, are we speaking the truth of God's word over the situation? Or are we spending more time focusing on the situation and the circumstance? Or are we bringing God into that and saying, God, there's this and I'm going through it, but I'm speaking out the things that I believe and I know are true. So there's walking in truth and then walking in love. And what does John say? As you, was, as, as you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. And now, dear lady, just going back a verse, I am, um, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have heard from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love. That we walk in obedience to his commands. What does it mean to walk in love? It means to walk saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. I am going to walk in obedience to what Jesus taught me to do. And that's why we spend the time learning. That's what I, that where we spend the time reading the Bible. What, how, was, how did Jesus live? How did he behave? How did he interact with others? And I think there's a challenge for us as a church and you see this borne out in this letter, and you see it in other places as well. And it all comes back to this call to a higher standard. We get things wrong, we make mistakes, we hurt people, we upset people, we offend people. But the church should be a place where there's something different about the community because there is a love for one another. Yeah? That actually we are different. That people look and see within us something different. Look how they respond to each other. Look how they interact with one another. Because if we can't show love to one another within the church, what chance does anyone else in the world have? And so there's a call to love one another. And I wonder, church, this morning, just again, this challenge taken from John, to John, do we show love for one another? Do we show love for brothers and sisters in Christ? Actually, sometimes churches can be places where all sorts of things are said and done in the name of Jesus which cause pain from one Christian to another. And like I say, I know none of us are perfect and therefore the church won't be perfect and you know we we will we will make mistakes but are we growing in love for one another that people come in here and and realize there's something different about this place there's something different about the way that this group of people are that makes us different from any other group or society as good as they might be but actually there's a love for each other and as we do that, it reflects out to the world. Because they want to see the life of Christ within us. Uh, Paul challenges the Galatians. He talks about, you know, why do you bite and devour one another? It's interesting, even from the early stages of the church, there, was, there were problems within the community. Sometimes we look at the early church, like with rose-tinted spectacles, like they never had any problems. And actually, they, you know, there were the things that they had to deal with. But there's a call. Love one another. 
We love each other. We are the body of Christ. And, uh, you know, there's that challenge to just continue. Hey, we're going to show that grace, that love, by walking in obedience to Jesus, following his commands to forgive, to show grace, to be welcoming, to be compassionate. All of those things. Simple, but not always easy to put into practice. I get that. But it is a case of looking and saying, God, or Jesus, what is the example you showed us? And now, what can I do this week to bring that, put that into practice in my life? How can I show that to others? We're going to come and have some time to respond in a moment. So I just wonder if we could pray. Let's just bow our heads and if the band could come up. We want to allow time. for us to to make a response to the message. So just while we're taking a moment to pray, maybe there's things that you know walking in truth or walking in love that you know I need to bring the truth of God's word into that situation or the truth of who God is revealed through his word or maybe it's a challenge to love people that even within the church we know actually we hold on to things some unforgiveness some frustration, some hurt. And God needs to do some work within us. with this sort of message you know when like I said at the start when I was reading the letter and you realize this is serious business and I like to have fun I like to enjoy and joke around and even when I'm preaching you know bring in the humor and all of that kind of stuff but there's a point as well where Actually, we just need to do business with God. Actually, God, I need to get, get serious with my walk with you. Maybe you feel today that there's a sense in which you've just been drifting around been in church things have been going on but the thing about walking is it's actually walking with purpose saying Jesus I'm committed to following you 
And maybe this morning, in these moments, you need to make a response and say, Jesus, I'm going to walk. I'm going to go in the right direction. I'm going to walk in truth and love. And as we sing, you can make that commitment to say, Jesus, I'm following you. And if you feel there's anything that like, you want prayer for or the breakthrough, then you can come to the front and we'd love to, to pray for people. to believe for breakthrough in your life this morning, for God to bring revelation to you this morning. So Father God, we pray as your people that we will walk in truth and love. That we will set our sights on things above. Set our sights on Christ. And no, we're not lapsing into legalism, but we raise our eyes to say, God, we're, we're reaching, pressing on to reach that higher standard. And I pray that you will help us all this morning to continue walking faithfully in truth and in love. That we will be your people who can love. There is within the church a deep love for one another. And that that reflects to our world to say, here is a place where you can find new life. You can find Jesus. You can find salvation. You can find transformation. Jesus, we pray that people will see in us the life of Christ being reflected out. And so we ask God, help us, strengthen us, encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.